The Daily Witness is not just a podcast, but originally started as a gospel newspaper. Trevor Van Vieren Ministries distributes this newspaper free of charge, paid for by partners and friends. If you have not received a copy of this newspaper in your mailbox, feel free to download a copy from our website, www.thedailywitness.co.za. And now, enjoy today's podcast. And welcome to another edition of the Daily Witness podcast. We are at our regular cell meeting, and um, everyone is here this evening. Everyone say hi. I hope you guys heard that. (laughs) And uh, we are carrying on with our series on faith. Uh, The Lord gave us a topic called faith from start to finish. Okay. So we are going to look at scriptures, which has been the foundation for our series. And that is Abaca chapter 2 verse 4. This is for all the note takers. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, Romans chapter 1 verse 17, Galatians chapter 3 verse 11 from the King James Version, and Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. And before we do that, you guys can get that so long, and then we can open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for an awesome evening. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing. Thank you, Father, for anointing me to carry out this message because there are things that you have got to say, things that are important, things that people need to hear. And then thank you, Father, for giving the people that are listening tonight ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart that understands. When this happens, Lord, people get revelation and they change from the inside out. We thank you for this. We thank you for your help. You're such a blessing to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now we are looking at Habakkuk, like I said, chapter 2, verse 4, Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Galatians chapter 3 verse 11 and Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. If you are there, please say amen. 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 <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm starting in Habakkuk and the scripture says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 17. When you're there, please say amen. Amen. (laughs) Andrew, you are fast. (laughs) Okay, you screen captured it. Yeah, Romans chapter 1, verse 17. Okay. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written... The just shall live by faith. Now we go to Galatians chapter 3 verse 11. You're there. (laughs) Galatians chapter 3 verse 11. Marius, are you mind reading? I see you're silent. (laughs) All right. All right. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God... 
it is evident for the just shall live by faith. And then there's Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 38. Okay. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. So you can see right off the top, these four scriptures starting from the Old Testament, going all the way into the New Testament. He's talking about living by faith. He's not talking about using faith when a crisis shows up. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. That's right, Marius. Too many Christians are trying to use faith when a crisis shows up. But the scripture doesn't say that you're supposed to use faith when a crisis shows up. It says you're supposed to live by faith. Now, has anyone got an idea what it means to live by faith? Uh, just to basically use faith in all areas all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Use faith in all areas all the time, folks. That's what Andrew said. Um, You are supposed to go to sleep by faith. Before you climb in your car and you go to work or wherever you're going for the day, you're supposed to believe God for protection. You're supposed to be praying for your government. You're supposed to be living by faith from day to day. When When you get your food, you're supposed to pray over your food. These are small things. So that when the big things show up, guess what? You're ready. But so much of the time people are not living by faith. They're using it when a crisis shows up. Yeah, they're using it as a crutch. And when the, when the tragedy shows up or when the tough times show up or when the hard time shows up, they, they haven't been bench pressing their, their faith muscle. Uh, that is a good point. Yeah. Megan says it's the hardest to use faith at that time. I'm just um, saying that for the people who can't hear in case you know, there's a distance. So it is. It's tough because now your faith is small. And you know, Jesus said, why do you have no faith? Or he said in another place, oh, faithless and perverse generation. But in another place, he said that this person has got great faith. So you can see that your faith can be developed. Do you remember when the apostles uh, heard this tragic news from Jesus? He said, if someone comes and does you wrong, he says, you must forgive them. And the one apostle said... How many times, Lord? Seven times? And the Lord said, no, 70 times seven. He said, oh, increase my faith. <laughs> and, then, and then Jesus didn't leave it there. He told him how to increase his faith, so he's got no excuse. He said, if you should say unto the sycamore tree, be thou plucked up from the roots and be thou cast into the sea, it should obey you. So you can see that there are different levels of faith. Now, if we look at uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, what is faith? Why, why do we have faith? Now, we're looking at 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and it's from the King James Version. 
when you are there, say thank you, Lord. <laughs> okay. No, it's all right. First John chapter 5, verse 4. I love this verse of scripture. Man, I'll tell you what. Okay. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Okay. Uh, here's something interesting just to throw in there. Check this out. He says, for whatsoever is born of God is defeated by the world. You, huh? Overcomes. That's what the scripture says. But that, yeah, that's how, they, that's how they read it. But this scripture says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. Now, I've mentioned this in the previous message. And like I said, uh, when Andrew and I did a series together, the word world in this verse of scripture is not talking about people. It's referring to the world's system. That's in the Greek. It talks about an actual government. And it's actually referring to Babylon, Satan's system. It's simply a system who does not need God. They try and get their needs met without God whatsoever. So, for instance, uh, you can look at the medical industry, you look at the financial industry, all of them. You walk into their offices, no scripture, no God. They don't base their practices on the word of God. And the thing is rotten. Now, unfortunately, we live in this world and we're surrounded by these offices and radio stations and supermarkets and all that, all that stuff. But that doesn't mean, and including the police force and the president and, you know, we can go on there. But what I'm saying is, and the, the crime, let me throw that in as well. You don't have to put up with that because that junk falls under the world system. It's part of the world. And he says, if you're born of God, guess what? You're already an overcomer. But how are you an overcomer? He says, this is the victory. Doesn't say defeat. Says, this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. Okay, so we're just highlighting here. We spoke about what is the definition of faith. Can anyone remember that? The definition of faith. What is faith? Faith is a currency that you use. Faith is a currency, yeah. Faith is confidence in God. That's it? Yeah. Faith is confidence in God. That's what it is. <laughs> is that the one you were looking for? <laughs> Faith is simply confidence in God and in his ability that he is able to do what he promised. So you see a scripture in the Bible and you're going through a tough time. You look up that scripture and you believe that he is able to pull that off. That's, that's what it is. That's all it is. And so what we did in last week's episode, we broke it down even further. Because when you talk about faith, a lot of people don't understand the term faith. It sounds like magic to some people. I mean, they've got a whole 
they got a whole world of definition when it comes to faith. So what we did was we just broke it down into another vernacular, vernacular that we can understand. And we said another word for faith is confidence. That's what it is. You're confident in God. But then we took that word out and we replaced it with another similarity. And we said you can use the word trust. You can use the word trust. Do you trust him enough? See, do you trust that what he promised, what he said, will come to pass? And that's what it's based on. Faith is based on a relationship with God. That's what it is. I like to, um, I like to say this. I just made some notes here, and you can't have faith in someone you don't know. Okay, You can't have the benefits of a relationship built on trust without actually having that relationship. And what a lot of Christians do, especially baby Christians, or I like to say this, carnal Christians, because if you look in the book of Romans, it talks about people who are carnally minded. In other words, they don't have any time for God. They've got no time for His Word. They've got more time for social media. They've got more time for... Drinking and, and, but they're Christians, okay? And they, they do all these sorts of things. They are carnally minded. Now, when the bad haystack hits the fan, <laughs> I'm trying to be polite here, <laughs> then they're trying to use, they are trying to use faith and they're basing it on testimonies that they heard from other people and they're not getting the results. Because they don't have the relationship that those Christians have. But then they blame God. And then they blame God. That's right, Susan. You cannot exclude the relationship factor. No. Susan, I, I think you blew the wind out my sails there. <laughs> so, but it's true. Uh, Susan, that was actually my next line in my notes. <laughs> Would you like to take over at this point? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flesh and blood, yes. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Um, why, do, why is it that some people get their prayers answered and some don't? And then like Susan says, they are quick to blame God. But they never look at what is wrong in their own personal life. And it's just so interesting that we're living in a time right now where a perfect God can make a whole lot of mistakes and don't answer our prayers and it's not because of this and blah, blah, blah. And then imperfect us is just absolutely flawless and we don't have to make any changes. Does that sound right to you? Some people um, miss the, the splinting Yeah. That's right. That's right. So people that, you get people that testify of miracles and so forth, and I want to talk about this because this is a huge problem. There's a lot of churches that are empty. We are living in a time right now where believers are slowly starting to fall away. And I'll tell you why they're falling away. They've got no relationship with God. That's what it boils down to. They don't know him. They tried it while they had one foot in the world. They didn't have both feet in the kingdom. And so we've got this steady decline right now. 
and you've got people that have got wonderful and fantastic miracles to testify about, but then all of a sudden they clam up and they've they got no faith. They don't know how to believe. Why? Why? We're dealing with that tonight. So, like I said, I hear people crying. I hear people complaining about this situation. And as if, you know, you're going to get God to move on your behalf. You're going to get God to answer your prayers because you're crying long enough. But they don't go to church. They don't go to cell. They don't uh, bother live streaming. They don't download and listen to the podcast. They don't have a clue what we believe. They don't have a clue what we stand for. And here's the point. Do you think you're fooling God? And should God get the blame? So let's look at his viewpoint on this. Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16. Yeah. Luke chapter 16. 20, verse 20. All right. I am reading from the King James. Yeah, verse 20. All right. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores. Now, this is the only time Jesus gave a testimony of heaven and hell. It's the only time we got record of that. So pay very close attention to this. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and he was buried. It's not looking good. <laughs> I only hear of one guy being carried off <laughs> by the angels. And in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and he sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Whoa. Didn't learn from his mistake. Send Lazarus. Still, still shouting orders. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things and likewise Lazarus' evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Now right here, let me throw this in. The, the rich guy did not go to hell because he was rich. Okay? Because you, you read that and you get that kind of uh, mindset. Because uh, I can just squash that wrong idea with this. Abraham says, Lazarus received evil things. And what was the evil things? He was living on the street. He was full of sores. Abraham, who's in the bosom, he's, he's there in paradise, he's with God, and he's calling poverty evil. He says it's an evil thing. And now he says, 
Lazarus is being comforted. Let's carry on. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, this is the rich guy praying now. He's still talking to Abraham. He says, I pray thee, I pray thee therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. Wrong prayer. Wrong prayer. This is what believers are doing today. They might not be in hell. Yeah, we know that. But this is the way they're praying. And you're going to find out now why it's wrong. Praying based on what you can see. That's not faith. That's not faith. Watch this. He says, pray therefore, I pray thee therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham says to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Check how short he was. Now, Moses and the prophets is your Old Testament. Okay? It's Torah. The Jewish people know it as Torah. They don't have a New Testament. We've got the, they've got the Old Testament, and that's that, and that's, that's our Old Testament. So when he says Moses and the prophets, he's referring to the Bible. Okay? Their Bible, I'm saying. So, he said, no, Father Abraham. Look at this. He's arguing with this man. Excuse me, who's in hell and who isn't? He says, no, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. Wrong. Wrong. And he said unto him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, I'm just going to paraphrase it and I'm going to say it this way. If they don't read their Bible, neither will they be persuaded even if one rose from the dead. And that is what you need. You need the word. People are praying, praying, praying. And what does Abraham say? What's the solution? Read your Bible. That's where it starts. Now, uh, a lot of people, I'm talking about this decline. We're still talking about faith here. We're still talking about faith from start to finish. And we're talking about why people are not getting their prayers answered. Because they're not putting the Bible first place. They, they're praying all sorts of prayers. Their prayers are not getting answered. Was this guy's prayer answered? No. And so people think to themselves, why do I need to go and hear that preacher? Why must I download that podcast? And they treat preaching as if it's a waste of their time. Yeah. And they think that the preaching of the gospel, uh, what, what's the point of me listening to this guy? What's the point of me going to sell? What's the point of me live streaming? Why must I download these podcasts? Why must I do that? I need real help, okay? I need money in my bank, okay? I need healing in my body, man. You know, I don't need to hear some guy talk. Let me help you with this. You ready for some more scripture? 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 21. Yeah. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. Watch this. 
It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Look at that. The foolishness, people that think preaching is a waste of time, guess what? God set it up that way. He set it up that way. That is how you get saved. From any situation, it's not limited to your born-again experience. Don't, don't think that. Because even once you get born again, you still need help. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now you'll understand why in the book of Ephesians, God set up the fivefold ministry. Who's the head of the church? Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Then he puts them in this order. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. What? He says, for the edifying of the saints. But the saints don't want to hear the preaching because they think it's a waste of time. Guess what? That's how God gets you saved out of any situation. And you not taking it serious. You're not paying attention to the preached word. And you're wondering why your faith is weak and feeble. You want to treat God as a slot machine, but you're bypassing his whole system. Let's look at verse 18 in the same chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But watch this. But unto us that are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the gospel is the power of God. It's what can save you out of any situation. And this is the, the very thing that the people think is not their solution. They're missing out. You want to know where your healing comes from? You want to know where your finances come from? You want to know where your blessing comes from? You want to know where your promotion comes from? You want to know where the wisdom of God comes from? Go and download a podcast. Yeah? That's it. You, yeah. Now you're tapping into my message here next, uh, part four. <laughs> Listen to that. You married, it's my message too. <laughs> All right. Yes. <laughs> so, last week we looked at the practical side of a relationship with him. And we focused on trusting him. And we looked at examples from Abraham's life and my own personal life. And we ended off with a testimony from a Jewish man. And how he has this relationship with God. So we spoke about the word trust. But how can you trust him and how can you recognize his voice? We're talking about faith from start to finish. We're talking about victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. How do you know it's him? How can you tell it's him? How can you come to a place where you actually trust him so that your faith can work? Remember, you can't have faith in someone you don't know. It's not going to work. So that will also answer why many aren't getting their prayers answered. You have to have a foundation that you can base your knowing him on. And that foundation is his autobiography. That autobiography is the living word. It's our Bible. So, 
If you don't have a central foundation, there's going to be too many people with too many opinions. And every opinion is going to be contrary one to the other. So now when someone says, you know, this is what I believe about God, if it's not based on his written word, you automatically know it's wrong. We, we have to have that. We have to have some form of accountability. We have to have a book that we can go back to so that we can know him. When you, when you spend time in his word and you read the word, and you see how he responds in situations, and you, res- you see the type of prayers that he answers, and so forth and so on, that is how you get to know him based on his word. And from that, your trust is built. And from that, you can have faith in God. Now you can have faith in what he said. You can believe the scripture when it says, by his stripes you were healed. Because you've gotten to know him. But if you don't spend time reading that, you don't know him, how on earth are you going to have confidence in what he said? He's going to be like a stranger to you. And this, this goes back to no relationship. So let us look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. A lot of people have issues with the Bible. I've heard some really weird things in my, in my time. Yeah. No, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, 16 and 17. Okay. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And I'll just put you in my notes in brackets. Not a waste of time and never a waste of time. It's profitable, always profitable. For what? For doctrine. Profitable for reproof. Now, Merriam-Webster's 1828 Bible Dictionary defines the word reproof as a sharp reprimand. Okay? Someone who just, you come up with a sharp reprimand, shut them down immediately. It's not being rude, but it's it's a sharp reprimand. It's for correction and for instruction in righteousness. Righteousness is just an old Elizabethan word for doing what is right. It's, in, it's instruction to do the right thing, in other words. Okay? Verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect. Yeah. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished, watch this, unto all good works. That is what scripture is there for. So you can imagine, if you're not spending any time in Scripture, you are not profiting from doctrine, you're not profiting from correction, you're not profiting from instruction to do the right thing. You see how important that is? Someone, a couple of people said to me years ago, when I was just out evangelizing, and I come across people in that, and they say, oh, you can't believe that Bible, it was written by man. And here's the big shocker. I said to them, duh. Who else must it be written by? And they didn't expect that. They expected me to say, no, it was carved out by the finger of God. (laughs) I said, God moved on man, silly. (laughs) Why is it a surprise to you? Man wrote the Bible. Yeah, of course. Who else is going to write it? (laughs) Did you you see the Facebook post, though? Mm -hmm. 
Mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Let's go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You see, if you're spending time in the Word, if you read the Word of God, you get to see these important scriptures. You won't, you won't be struggling with these type of things. And this is how you develop an intimate relationship with him. This is how you get to know him. This is how you get to know the way he thinks. And it builds up your confidence in him. You won't struggle to believe the things that he promises you. John chapter 1 verse 1. Yeah. When you're there. <laughs> in the beginning was the Word. Look at that. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I'm just, I was just going to say that now. So let's read it the way he said it. He said, did he say in the beginning was the word? Yes. And did he say God is the word? Yes. So let's read it this way. Uh, verse 3, all things were made by the word, and without the word was not anything made that was made. You try and, you try and release faith without the word. Let's see how far you get. So... How do you get to know him? Read the word. Yes, read what he wrote. That's his number one way you're going to tune yourself into hearing God's voice. So now let's get to know this man, Jesus. And let's look at the viewpoint of what dad wrote. We're talking about building our trust in him. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about having great faith, not weak faith, not feeble faith. We don't want Jesus to look at us and say, why is your faith feeble? Right? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1, and we're going to look at verse 3 from the Amplified Classic Version. And if you don't have access to that, that's fine. I'll just read it to you. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 3. Amplified Classic, eh? Okay. I'm just going to read uh, the first part of that verse. I'm not going to read the whole verse. But this is the point that I, uh, I want to get across. You got it, Susan? Yes, I Okay. He is the soul. Talking about Jesus now. If you want to know if, I, if I'm quoting that right, and if he's really talking about Jesus, go look at verse 2. But for time's sake, we're not going to do that. So he, talking about Jesus, is the sole expression of the glory of God. He's the sole expression of the glory of God. The light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine. And uh, this is my favorite part. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. So if you want to know who God is, and you, you think, there's people that think that there's a difference between God and Jesus. There isn't. There's no difference. So if you want to know how the Father is, just look at the life of Jesus. He's the perfect imprint of Him. 
He's exactly like him. So let's just go over that again. He's the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine, and he's the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. If you want to know the nature of God, you can see him in the flesh in Jesus' ministry. Jesus is an accurate living testimony of God's nature. So this is how you can develop confidence in what he said. You get to know him by watching Jesus' ministry. How did Jesus respond to people? Yeah. Did he ever say no when people came and, and, and ran up to him? So if Jesus never ever said no, guess what? The Father will never ever say no. Amen? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. That's good, Marius. Yeah. So for those who didn't hear, Marius was just quoting the scripture there and he said, all God's promises are yes and amen. Not no and not sometimes and we'll see if it's the will of God. Uh, Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And I'm reading uh, specifically uh, from the New Living Translation here. It just makes things easier uh, to receive. Uh, verse, uh, Matthew 18, verse 18 to 21. New Living Translation. Oh, oh, oh wait, we're going to read from verse 15. I apologize, there was a little gap there in my notes. Verse 15. <laughs> Amen again. But Jesus knew what they were planning, so he left that area and many people followed him. He healed all the sick among them. He healed all the sick among them. But he warned them not to reveal who he was. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Now, they are quoting a prophecy about Jesus, about his nature, about who he is. Here's an opportunity for you to learn the exact imprint of God, the sole expression of his glory. This is an opportunity for you to build trust in his nature. Watch this. Look at my servant whom I've chosen. He's talking about Jesus here. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Watch this. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. There's something about him. Amen. Yes. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. Isn't that an eye opener? The horrible idea of this mean God that is hard to receive from was actually the nature of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And this calm and embracing nature, someone who's always eager to answer your prayers, was actually the nature of Jesus Christ and still is. So I want us now to go to Luke chapter 15, also from the New Living Translation. Luke chapter 15 from the New Living Translation. And here's some more insight into the nature of God. Looking into his nature. 
I'll give you an opportunity quickly. Luke chapter 15, 3. We'll start in verse 3. New Living Translation. When you're there, say amen. Okay. Now, Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Look at... Yeah, yeah. Watch this. He's challenging these oaks around him. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness? I guarantee you there's some that will say no. They'll, they'll leave that one sheep. Yeah. Yeah. Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? Isn't that amazing? Until he finds it. Watch this. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I found my lost sheep. In the same way. He's giving you a glimpse into the heart of God. He's giving you a glimpse into the nature of God. Look how gentle God is. Look how, look how easy it is for him just to move in joy. He says, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. That's why he's called the good shepherd. But now I want you to see something here. He says when that 99, uh, they're safe and secure. And he goes and he, he looks for that one sheep. When he finds it, did he kick that thing? <laughs> Put a rope around it? Say, you wasted my time. Stubborn as hell. Look at this now, thorns, and I've got to pull this stuff out of you, you know, and drag the thing, and, uh, you know, the sheep is going, ah, ah, sometimes the way he's pulling that thing. No. Now, there are people that will do that, but not Jesus, not our Father. The Scripture tells us, don't, don't look over this. He puts this sheep on his shoulders. And he joyfully carries it home. Can you see the love of God in that man? Yeah. And he gets back. He's full of joy. And, and the sheep is not in trouble. <laughs> There's no condemnation. No condemnation whatsoever. Yeah. He says he, he joyfully carries it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he calls together his friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. <laughs> no, Maurice, I did not have a brain. <laughs> now the parable of the lost coin, we carry on from there. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? You, you are looking into... The heart of God. His persistence. How he just does not stop. He is fully aware someone is lost. And he doesn't say, well, you know what? That was their choice. They must not learn the hard way. You made your bed, you must go lie on it. Huh? No. He lights up a lamp. 
and he sweeps and sweeps until he finds that coin. And when she finds it, she'll call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there's joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Just hearing uh, and, and seeing the heart of God in these situations, how does that change your perspective of him already? How does that affect your trust? Your trust has been built. You, you've got, you, it's easy to have faith and trust in someone who's kind, someone who's willing, someone who's loving, someone who refuses to condemn you, someone who's persistent. Watch this, the parable of the lost son. A lot of people know this, but there's actually a lot more in this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. He's talking about God here. The man is God in this picture. A man had two sons. The youngest son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. Now, here's the key to those who are lost when they're out there and they're lost in the world. Watch this. He finally came to his senses. And he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And yeah, I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, now he's preparing a speech. He's he's working up the courage. It's a good choice he made to go home. (laughs) But he says, this is what I'm going to say. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. You see that sin consciousness? That condemnation is working in him. I've sinned against both you and heaven. He says, I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now this is what he muttered to himself. So he packs up his bags and he goes off home. So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. I think the the King James says it very nice where it says he was looking for him. The father was looking for him. His father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son and embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. He's he's going through this whole speech and no longer worthy of being called your son. His father didn't even respond to him. His father said to the servants, quick. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And so the party began. 
No condemnation. Didn't hold anything against him at all. And couldn't wait for him when he saw him. In fact, he saw him coming down the road. Yeah, he didn't say, no, I'm going to go inside now. This is how some parents are. I'm going to go inside. He must come and sit and grovel before my feet. Yeah, he must work for it. (laughs) That is how some parents are. Not God. God flung open that gate and ran down the path and grabbed him and kissed him. And he's still muttering this whole thing. He's got that that sin consciousness working in him. Wrong thoughts of who God is. He was wrong. He didn't know him. And he said to his servants, go, grab sandals, bring the ring, bring the cloak, put it on him. Get the food going, we're going to have a party. And uh, so the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. There's people that think God is boring. This is where parties come from. Parties come from heaven, man. What does the world know about parties? <laughs> and he asked one of the servants, yo, what's going on? He says, your brother's back. The servants are the angels in this uh, account. Your brother's back, he was told. And your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. Look, look, how, look how kind he is. Doesn't avoid strife at all cost. He said, uh, and he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf? His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And I just want to throw, you can toss this in your glory bag. Uh, when he said, I've been a slave uh, to you and you, you never once refused to give me even a young goat with the feast of my friends. Can I help you there? Watch this. How does this uh, chapter start out? It says... In verse 12, the younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons, plural. He had his his share all the time. He missed it. (laughs) Okay. Now, I want us to look at Matthew chapter 7. I'm just looking here from the King James Version. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7. We're going to be reading verse 7 and 8 and 9 and 10 and 11. King James. We're looking here at the heart of God. Did Did the scripture that I quoted earlier, can you see how it's helping us? All scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for correction. Do you feel like you were corrected tonight? 
Do you feel like you're seeing something about him that you've never seen before? Verse 7, ask and it might be given to you if you're a good person. No? (laughs) Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks... Sometimes receives. Eh? For everyone that asks, they don't always get it. This is how Christians are believing. They've got that wrong mentality of who he is. Yeah. But this scripture says, everyone that asks, receives. Can you see the certainty in that? Can you, can you see how definite that is? That's a guarantee. Well, I didn't receive. Well, that's your cotton picking fault. God said, ask and you will receive. If you didn't receive, it's not his fault. Go and find out where did you miss it. His word is not up for debate. It's very rude to challenge him on his character. Very rude. It does not make you right. It just makes you wrong. That's all. You've missed some information somewhere. That's all it means. He says, he that seeks finds. To him that knocks, it shall be opened. Or, and then he goes on here. You can see a little bit more into this. Or what man is there of you whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Then he says, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? A lot of people don't know that. And he's saying, if you, being evil, he's not, saying, he's not talking about slayers and killers and so forth. He's just talking about someone that's, you know, in the world. And there are people that are alcoholics and they still give good gifts to their children. And God says, if, that, if you can expect that from him, he says, come on, man, how much more me? Why am I on trial? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Now, uh, and then uh, the Lord just reminded me of this other scripture. He says, freely as you have received... Freely give. That's his heart. That's his nature. Watch this. Can we go to Matthew chapter 6 verse 8 and then we'll be closing. Matthew chapter 6 verse 8. Yeah, King James. Be not he therefore like unto them, for your father knows what things you have need of before you ask him. Your father knows what you have need of before you ask him. And I just made this note here. The people that enjoy the most miracles in their lives are the people who have a genuine relationship with him. And that is something that you just can't fake. Did you guys enjoy this? Yes. Has it been an eye-opener to you? Yes. Amen. Can we close in prayer? Yes. Thank you, Father, for this evening. We bless you. We bless you for your written word. We bless you for giving us your spirit. We thank you for revelation. We thank you, Father, that this word will not return void, 
but it will prosper in the thing where to you sent it. Father, thank you that people can open up their eyes and see you in a different light. Thank you, Lord God, that from this message, their trust in you will increase more and they will be far quicker to take you at your word. I thank you for a strong relationship coming up. I thank you for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that. And remember, faith comes by hearing, so... Hey, everyone. If you enjoyed today's podcast, feel free to let us know by contacting us via our Telegram channel, Trevor Van Vieren Ministries, or send us a message on our Facebook account. And if you liked what our ministry is doing, why not partner up with us and sow into God's vision, which is to bring a printed copy of our newspaper to every house in our city. All funds are used to increase the print run and reach more houses with the good news of Jesus Christ. You can sow via our website at www.thedailywitness.co.za. There you will find a tab called Sow Into a Vision. If you are inside of South Africa, you can use the option of SnapScan. You can download this app free of charge from Play Store or iTunes. If you are outside of South Africa, you can use our option of Give and Gain. We thank you for your faith and generous support. Remember, we love you and Jesus loves you.